0: Today, we are concluding our series, Pursuing Jesus. So throughout this series, the first week we talked about pursuing Jesus and who he really is, what culture says about Jesus, what the Bible and Scripture say about Jesus, and then we looked at what do we say about Jesus, what do we, who do we say that he is. We have looked at worship, how to pursue Jesus in worship for a couple weeks. And then this week, or last week, we talked about pursuing Jesus through gratitude and this week, we're going to finish it up talking about pursuing Jesus through community. Now, uh, if you're like my family, you celebrated Thanksgiving last Thursday. And if you're not like my family and didn't celebrate Thanksgiving last Thursday, I don't know what's going on. You live in America like last Thursday was Thanksgiving. You should have celebrated it. But a few years back, we uh, have someone in our extended family who decided that Thanksgiving is the same thing every year, and they don't really like the Thanksgiving meal, so they were going to try something non-traditional. They were going to go with something else. They were going to try and cook something else. So the family kind of caught wind of this on Tuesday before Thanksgiving. They heard that someone was preparing to cook salmon and sushi on Thanksgiving Day. And all of a sudden, everyone, rightfully so, revolted and said, absolutely not. We are not doing that, and then there was a mad dash to go to the store, buy a turkey, get it ready so we could have Thanksgiving dinner. You know, we are all different. We're all unique. We have our own desires, our own likes, our own dislikes, but I think we can all agree Thanksgiving is for turkey. Even if you don't eat turkey, that's what you have on Thanksgiving. Like, it's just, it's a universal truth, especially in our country. Well, we all have different giftings. We all have different talents. We all have our, you know, different personalities and the different ways that God has made us. But there are a few things that we do all have in common. There are a few needs that every single one of us has, the need for forgiveness. It doesn't matter what our makeup is, no matter it doesn't matter what our personality is, we desperately need the grace of God and we need forgiveness. Another thing that we need is community. What we need is biblical community. We need to live in a church family in a family of believers. Now The church family, sometimes when we think of that, we simply think of coming to a building like this and a service like this, but there's all different types of church families. There are church families that meet in homes that are church families. There are church families that meet in small churches. There are large church families. There are medium-sized church families. There's all different types of church families, but every single one of us needs to be a part of a biblical community, a faith community. It's something that scripture tells us to do. It's a command from Jesus, but also... Uh, whenever we're living outside of biblical community, we're living out of sync with what God has designed for us and how he's designed us to work. You know, throughout this series, we're talking about pursuing Jesus. How do we grow closer to Jesus? One of the ways that we grow closer to Jesus is by growing closer to others. When we grow closer to others through biblical community, we also grow closer to Jesus. Reading scripture, praying, praying worship, all of these are ways that we grow closer to Jesus. But sometimes I think we forget that as we grow close to others who are also following Jesus, we grow close to Jesus as well. And one of the ways we pursue Jesus is by living in biblical community. Now, what is biblical community? What it is, it's authentic, spiritually-minded relationships, is to have authentic, spiritually- minded relationships, to have people in our lives who know us deeply, who care about us, and who can help us follow Jesus better. Spiritually-minded relationships. Now, sometimes a biblical community looks uh, looks very much like a bunch of people hanging out and partying together, because that's us enjoying life. Sometimes biblical community looks like us getting together and praying for one another. Sometimes it looks like us getting together and reading Scripture. But it doesn't always have to involve Scripture, prayer, and worship to be biblical community. Sometimes it's simply fellowshipping with one another, getting to know One another, but it does need to have the spiritual aspects of those relationships, or it's just friendships. See, biblical community is having a spiritually minded relationship, having people in our lives who are there to spur us on, to encourage us to be more like Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, the writer of Hebrews says this Let us and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the writer of Hebrews knows that in order for us to be all that Jesus desires for us to be, we need other people. Because we need to be spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. We need to be encouraging one another. Also, we need to make sure that we don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, over this past two years, almost, of this pandemic, meeting together as the body of Christ has looked very differently. It's looked very differently than any of us probably would have ever expected. Uh, People that were meeting in buildings like this began to meet in homes, began to meet in their own home, and just virtually online. And so there's all these different ways. And I think one of the things that God has done is shown us That church is much more about us being together and pursuing him than it is about being at some sort of, uh, you know, standardized service environment. Yet, throughout this pandemic, there's been lots that have simply given up meeting together. They've stopped meeting together in any way. See, we need one another, and we need to be with other believers, pursuing Jesus together, in whatever capacity that is. Like I said, there's all different types of church environments. There's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a, this is the right way to do church, and this is the wrong way to do church. There's different personalities and giftings, and we connect with Jesus in different ways, but the main thing is we all need other people. We all need to be in a community so that we can spur one another. How can we spur someone else on towards love and good deeds if we're never meeting together in some capacity? virtually, in-person, whatever it may be. How can we encourage one another if we don't even know one another well enough to encourage each other in something? I mean, have you you ever got, like, a completely unauthentic encouragement? Someone's like, man, you did really great at that thing. I did great at what thing? You know, that thing, that was awesome. I didn't, there's no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it makes no sense. You ever ever had that before or something, some form of that? Yeah? It's like, you know, man, you're, you're awesome. Like, cool. What's my name again? Like, well... You don't know my name, so how do you know that I'm awesome? Well, I just know because you you look awesome. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, we need to encourage one another and spur one another on, and part of that is we have to know one another. We have to know one another in a way where we we can spur one another on. You know, connecting a biblical community, it takes a willingness to step out of our comfort zones because there is this false idea that there is safety in isolation, that if I just stay by myself, and I don't let other people in that I'm going to be safe. Really what biblical community takes is it takes trust. It takes trusting Jesus, and it takes trusting other people. You now, I've met a lot of people over the years that have been hurt by others. And because of that hurt, it's caused them to close up their lives. Right? It's, it's this natural reaction when someone hurts me, when someone does something that makes me feel bad or that betrays me, my natural tendency is to pull myself in close and to close up my life to other people. And I get it. I totally get it because I've been deeply, deeply wounded by people. When I was a child, I was deeply wounded in a profound way by someone. As an adult, I've had people who profess to be believers betray me Uh, betray my family, become nasty and try their best to destroy parts of my life and parts of my family's life. But through all that hurt, through all that pain, one thing I can't do is I can't allow that hurt and pain to cause me to close up my life and not let others in. But what it takes is me trusting Jesus. See, trusting other people, allowing other people in, takes us trusting that Jesus is going to be there to bring us Good people in our lives, that Jesus trusting Jesus to bring the right people in our lives, but also trusting Jesus with any future hurt. Because as we let people in, as we allow people to come in close with us relationally, there's going to be hurt and there's going to be pain. because biblical community, it's messy. Living in a spiritual family, it's, a, it's messy. it's not nice and neat and clean and perfect all the time, because people are flawed. People are messed up. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you are messed up. Like, you're messed up. You're not perfect. You got problems. I'm messed up. I got problems because I'm human. And that's where the Holy Spirit, that's where Jesus comes in. So to live in biblical community is saying, I'm going. it's not about finding the right church family. I've seen so many people say, well, I'm going to go find the right church family where I don't experience any hurt. No matter what church family we're a part of, sometimes there's going to be negative things that take place. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain. Now, uh, there can be toxic environments. Yes, now, if you're in a toxic environment, yeah, get into a healthy environment. But even in healthy environments, healthy environments are still full of flawed people. Healthy marriages are still full of two flawed people. You know, sometimes, (laughs) amen. You know, uh, very early on when Brooke and I started dating, you know, uh, it became very apparent once we became engaged that life looked a little different than it did when we were dating. When we were dating, everything was great, you know, and roses and wonderful and rainbows and all life was great. Then you get engaged and you do this thing where you register for your wedding and you go into a, you know, a a department store or a Target and they give you this little gun thing that you go around and scan all the things that you want other people to buy you, right? And this was Brooke and I's, like, first big Because the first time we had to both agree on what we wanted other people to buy us to be in our house. And we could not disagree more on what belonged in our house. I had, you know, lived at home primarily, uh, even through college because I went to college close to home. And so this was like moving out. This was my first, like, my place. So I had a vision of what my place looked like. And Brooke had a vision that my place was a stupid place to live and that no one should ever want all black, white, and chrome. Like, she's like, it's not a bachelor pad. We need some color. And I'm like, no, we don't. Just black, white, chrome. That's it. Like, that's everything, you know? So we had this big argument, this big discussion. I remember we came back, uh, I think it was to my parents' house, like after we had registered, and my parents were like, how'd it go? And we're like, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. It was terrible. And there was this point in time where we had this, you, you, this thought of, well, healthy couples don't fight like this. And I remember through premarital counseling when we were going and, and, and uh, through the counseling before we got married, talking about budgeting and all this stuff, I remember the, the premarital counselor we saw, he said, one thing you need to learn how to do is, is fight fair because everyone fights. Everyone gets in arguments. Like because it doesn't matter how healthy your marriage is, both of you are flawed and so there's going to be disagreements and you've got to learn how to disagree well. I thought, hmm, that's true. Biblical community is the same way. When we live in a family of people, it's going to be messy. It's going to get a little, you know, uncomfortable at times because we're flawed people. But engaging in biblical community takes trusting Jesus. That Jesus has told me I need other people, and he's going to use other people to help me become more like him. That's the way he's designed life to be lived. You know, if you don't like people, you know, maybe you're sitting at home today and watching and you say, you know what, Uh, I don't really like people at all, so I'm just going to sit at home and and watch uh, church like from here until eternity and never talk to another person. I have a harsh reality that you should know. There are no hermits in heaven. When you get to heaven, you're going to be around other people because God designed us to live with other people. So we need other people in this life, and then we're going to spend eternity with other people. So we have to learn how to do it, and we got to learn how to do it well. See, church was never meant to be a service that we attend. Church was meant to be a community, a biblical family that we exist within. When we look at the early church in the New Testament, they didn't go to a certain place, hear a speaker, hear some songs, and then leave, and then go back, and their only friends, their only uh, interactions were with people who weren't a part of that community. No, the church in the New Testament was this new family that formed. They ate together. They spent time together. They built relationships. And most of the time, this became their new family because to follow Jesus meant to leave their earthly family. Because their earthly family, their biological family, if they were following Judaism, to be a Christian meant you had to walk away from Judaism, and that meant you were disowned. The other, uh, whenever they went out, and the Gentiles that became Christians, they had to leave their religions. And a lot of times they had to leave their biological family. And so the church was designed, the body of Christ was designed to be this new family. Church was never meant to be someplace that we go to and that we attend, but it's meant to be a community, a family that we exist within, where there's the give and take just like there is with our biological families. When we met on Thursday uh, at Thanksgiving, I'm sure some of us experienced some of the messiness of the biological families, right? The messiness of meeting with people that you're in a family together, but you may not, disagree, you may not agree on everything, right? There might have been some discussions. might have been some heated discussions. There might have been some food thrown. I mean, I don't know. There wasn't in our house, but I would, I would love to attend a Thanksgiving dinner that just turned into a massive food fight. That would be awesome. Uh, I mean, it's never happened in my house because I'm not letting my kids throw food. But at someone else's house, that'd be great. You know, a number of years ago, um, Griffin, he's six now, whenever he was one and a half, so I guess he's about about five years ago. He's a year and a half years old, and Nolan was around four, I think, at the time, and Nolan's playing soccer. And we go to the first soccer practice, and, you know, soccer practice with four-year-olds it, it isn't an organized affair to begin with. And so all throughout the practice, we kept turning around, and Griffin, at a year and a half, had run onto the field and had joined the practice. Sometimes joined Nolan's team, sometimes joined a different team all entirely. And it was like every time we're turning around, we're trying to go get him because he just wanted to get in the game. He wanted to play. And so the coaches, after a while, were like, yeah, sure, like, he can come. Like, he's, he can kick the ball, and he's out there because he wanted to be a part of the game. So many times when it comes to biblical community, we're the exact opposite of Griffin. We don't want to get in the game. We want to sit on the sidelines and just be a spectator. We just want to watch it all take place. And a lot of us, you know, across Western culture, that's what church has become. A bunch of people spectating, coming in, watching the music, watching the message, and then leaving and never engaging, never being a part of the mission, never being a part of the family, never being a part of the game. But That's not the way God created us. He created us to, to get in there and, and to be a family, to be in biblical community. Together. You know, I've said this before, uh, but I have been in a lot of church services over the years. I mean, you count, like, camps as a kid, you know, and then church every single Sunday morning, and then I grew up to the church where we had Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, and Wednesday night church, sometimes Friday night church, sometimes Monday and Tuesday night church. I mean, I've heard thousands and thousands and thousands of messages. And I cannot name three sermons that have changed my life. Like of all those thousands of messages, I mean, I can name scripture, and I, I, can, come, I, mean, I can sit here and come up with some ideas and thoughts of sermons that I've heard, but I can't name three sermons that have really deeply transformed my life. And I bet you can't either, besides all the ones you've heard me preach. Those changed your life forever. But uh, I bet if you sat there and thought, you probably can't name three messages that radically changed your life. But I could easily name three people. I could name a lot more than three people. I could go through my life and name the the Paul Zwickers, the Ryan Cataliers, the J.R. Paul Hemis, the Chris Fritz, the the Greg Headleys of my life that have radically changed my life, that have become more like Jesus. See, so many times we think of church as a place we come and we hear a message and that's going to change our life, when it's really the people that are a part of the church that change our lives. Sometimes it's the pastor, sometimes it's the leader. But I can name people, I mean, Paul and Ryan were never a pastor at a church. They're just people that I got to know, friends that I got to know. I could name people uh, in churches that simply came up and prayed for me. And their prayers, and that time they spent with me, changed my life. See, Jesus created us to live in biblical community together. That's the way he designed his church to be. But sometimes it's going to get messy, so we have to learn to trust God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read quite a few verses here because Paul lays out this illustration of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. He says, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. He's talking about the the body of Christ, the church, is not made up of one part, but of many. He uh, compares it to the physical body. He says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? See, sometimes we can have our different talents and our different desires and likes and dislikes and Maybe we grew up in a church family that thought the kind of music we listened to was wrong or that we shouldn't like this or shouldn't like that. And so sometimes believers, followers of Christ, they want to follow Jesus, but they get this idea that, well, I just don't belong in a church family. I don't belong. See, if we're in the body of Christ, we belong. Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It Would not for that reason, stop being a part of the body? Paul goes on. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we actually treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. I want to think about this idea for a moment. He's saying that God put the body together, so there shouldn't be any division. He's comparing this to the church family, right? It says that every part should have equal concern for the other parts. In a church family, in a biblical community, everyone is supposed to get equal concern. Sometimes we exist in a, in a church, and the way we do church in, in Western culture in America, we have this idea that there are some people that are more important than others. No, everyone has a part to play, everyone's a part of the body, and everyone gets equal concern. Now, we all have different roles, right? We all have different responsibilities. I mean, your role is not to come up here and, and to teach from the Word every single Sunday. That's my role, but that doesn't mean I'm more important just because my role is up here and yours is not. And some of you, it is up here. Leading worship, preaching, you know, we do that here at the church family you guys come and speak but we all have different roles and responsibilities but the point is that if we're in the body if we're in the family we're supposed to show equal concern for one another if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it to not live in biblical community would be to live out of sync with God's best for you Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, we're going to carry each other's burdens. See, biblical community is messy because sometimes there are people that have burdens and it's really difficult to help them carry it. It's really difficult to help people carry their burdens. But Paul writes, we're to carry each other's burdens. Look, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Take all the laws, the law of Christ, what it means to love one another. He said, We're going to fulfill that law if we carry each other's burdens. If anyone thinks they're something when they are not, they deceive themselves. If anyone thinks that they're more important than someone else, then they are deceiving themselves because we're supposed to be equal concern. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. We're to carry each other's burdens, but we're to carry our load as well. What he's saying is that we all have a part to play, and we're supposed to fulfill our part and do, you know, take care of our responsibility inside the family, and then helping others when they're in need. Because there's going to be a point in time where we need someone else to be in biblical community. To pursue Jesus through community is number one: is to be genuinely known. It's to be genuinely known. We're going to go through three things here of what it looks like to pursue Jesus through the church family, and why we need the church family, and what's, uh, what all this looks like. The first one is to be genuinely known. Now, uh, you guys in the church family that are here, you know this. If you're new, uh, I work full-time outside the church as well, so I go to, you know, Zoom meetings like a lot of us do these days, working remotely, and uh, you can always, I can always tell, and even people in our, you know, uh, Zoom meetings and on our teams can always tell when someone enters the meeting that doesn't know everyone in the meeting. On my name, you know, uh, on my, uh, my Zoom name, because the company I work for doesn't allow us to change our names, it says Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel is, yes, my given name, but no one calls me Nathaniel. No one. So when com- someone comes into a meeting, they're like, hey, Nathaniel, uh, you're over the, the content writing, What's blah, blah, blah. Everyone kind of snickers like, you know, he's not Nathaniel. Like, that's not, he's not, gen- they don't know Nathan, obviously. They all call me Nate at work. Friends call me Nathan or Nate. They don't call me Nathaniel. When I get a sales call, and they're like, is Nathaniel there? I said, no one lives here by that, no one goes here by that name, right? Oh, yeah, is, N- is Nathaniel Headley there? It's like, well, there's no one here that goes by that name, so see you later. Someone calls me, that's a friend. They say, hey, Nathan, hey, Nate, how you doing? And they can tell by my response how I'm really doing, because they genuinely know me. My friends call me that know me well, hey, Nate, hey, Nathan, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Nah, you, you don't sound good. Like, are you really good? Like, what's? you sound stressed. I can't tell you how many times I've been on a phone with a friend and just my simple responses, because they know me well, or I've been sitting across the table with some of you, and because you know me well. Say, how's it going? How was your week? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like, nah. what's really, you look tired. You look stressed. You look worried. What's really going on? Whenever we live in a biblical community, we're going to be genuinely known. See, the thing is, is the people in my life that know me well, they pick out those moments whenever what I'm saying and what I'm portraying are different because they want to help me. Right? Now, we're to carry each other's burdens. If I'm talking to someone and it's clear that they're stressed, or they're worried, or they're tired, or whatever, and they say they're good, I can just take it at face value. It's like, okay, they said they're good, and just move on, because I don't want to carry their burdens. I'm tired, too, right? But in a biblical family, we're supposed to be genuinely known, so if someone expresses concern in some way that we know them, we we'll enough want them to say, I think someone else, something else is going on. Do you need some help? Can we pray for you? Can we help you? What can we do to help you in this? You know, we all need to be genuinely known by a few. Not by everyone, but by a few. Pursuing Jesus through biblical community is to be genuinely known. It's also to be lovingly supported. See, isolation offers this false sense of safety. That if I don't let others in, I won't be hurt. But the harsh reality is that there will be times where we desperately need help. There will be times in life where we desperately need help. And if we've isolated ourselves from everyone else, It's going to end up really bad. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says if one person falls, someone else can reach out and help them. But it's a pity when someone falls and they have no one to reach out and help them. There's going to be times where we need one another. I listed a few of the one another's that are in Scripture. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just a few. Carry each other's burdens. We read that in Galatians. Then, John 13, John writes, We're to love one another. Jesus was saying that. Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 14, Build up one another. Romans 15, Accept one another. Admonish one another. Care for one another. Greet one another. Forgive one another. Serve one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. We can't do any of this if we're living in isolation. All of these are commands. They didn't say, hey, if you're feeling like it, if you're feeling good and life's good and you got money in the bank and your job's going well, then you can be patient with someone. These are all commands. We're to forgive, be patient, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, comforting, encouraging one another. We're to do all this. We can't do any of this in isolation. To be in biblical community means to be lovingly supported. You know, last week I shared a story of uh, you know someone had come and, and something at the house had been broken, and I was expressing my frustration to Brooke, and then Brooke was trying to make me feel better by telling me why I shouldn't be frustrated, and I just called. I was like, I just want you to be on my team. I just want you to support me. I know some of you remember this story. I told it in great detail last week. But really what I'm saying is like, I just just want to be lovingly supported in this. Like I don't necessarily want to be fixed. I just want to be supported. I just want you to tell me that it's okay that I'm a little frustrated because something expensive was broken. And she was like, yeah, you're right. It is frustrating. And she supported me. So there's sometimes that we need that. But there are other times where instead of just being lovingly supported, we need to be honestly challenged. We need to have people in our lives that love us so much that they can challenge our destructive tendencies. When they see us living in a, in, in a bad pattern, they can say, hey, you know what? I think this is, you're going in the wrong direction here. See, to be in a biblical community is to be lovingly supported, but it's also to be honestly challenged. I mean, there are people in our life who we've opened ourselves up to, who we trust that can honestly challenge us to grow closer to Jesus. If I'm living, in, if I'm living or thinking in a destructive way, God can and God will use other people to help me. I mean, there's been so many times where I've gone into prayer and and seek God for an answer to something, and I just feel like I can't hear what he's saying. I feel like I don't know the right direction, and I'm so stressed. I'm so emotionally wrapped up in this. Like, I'm just, there's so much going on. I just can't sense God clearly whatsoever. And time and time again, he's used other people in my life to come alongside and to bring the answer. Not specifically, Nathan, you should do this, but... Hey, Nathan, you seem really stressed. Maybe you should take some time. Hey, Nathan, this, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to pray for you. And he's used other people. But sometimes I need someone to challenge my thinking. A number of years ago, uh, we had hired on two employees. Uh, in, we were at a large church in Colorado. And uh, I was over all the youth, young adults, and life groups and stuff. And, uh, and so we had hired on a couple people to take over different areas of youth, young adults, and middle school, and all this kind of stuff. And we had these staff, uh, this, this staff working uh, for me, it was kind of the first time I had a larger staff of people working for me and we just didn't have office space for everyone uh, because the the department had grown so rapidly, we were trying to get people as fast as possible, we didn't have office space and so there was this room, like way on the other side of the church I mean, y- hundreds of yards away from the main office, we thought hey, we could turn that into an office and put a couple people over there, and so we start, you know, kind of getting in there and working on it and, and my amazing wife says, Nathan, what, like I don't think this is a good idea. like, what do you mean? Like, we don't have space. It's going to be great. We're going to fix it up. She says, no, I don't think it's a good idea for these two people to be working together in an office away from everyone else. And I was like, whatever. Like, it's fine. Like, it's gonna, they're great. It's going to be fine. And I just thought that in my own mind, like, I just thought, well, Brooks just, you know, it wasn't her idea or something. So this is why she doesn't like it. Like, she's just not supporting me. And I was like, and we had an argument about it, like multiple arguments. And I'm like, would you just let it go? Like, just let it go. They're going to work over there and it's going to be fine. Like, this is no big deal. Like, you got to stop. And she's like, it's just, it's not going to work out well. And I thought she was challenging, you know, my authority, challenging my leadership and all this stuff. When really she was bringing a very heartfelt concern she had that I did not listen to. And I will tell you, she was 100% right. And it turned disastrous. And it went really, really wrong really quickly, and we had to fire one of the people that was working. It, it, it just went wrong in so many ways, and she was right months and months before. Sometimes we need people in our lives to challenge us, but we got to be willing to listen, because I was not willing to listen. I thought, well, you're just challenging my authority. You're challenging my leadership. Like, I'm in charge. Like, you don't even work at the church. I'm doing this, and she's like, this is just a bad idea. It's just a bad idea, and she was right. See, Living in a biblical community means sometimes we're going to be honestly challenged in love. Brooke had no ulterior motive. She had no reason, uh, no, no ill reason, no bad reason to bring up this concern. She liked all the people. She liked everything we were doing. She's a fully bought in to everything we were doing as a church. And I would not listen to her concern, even though she brought it in love. And she challenged me. Because I just thought, well, you're, you know, I, it was my own, my own hang-ups that caused me to not listen to her. But if someone's challenging us and they love us and they have our best intentions at heart and they're challenging our decisions, they're, they're kind of coming back. I don't know if this is the best idea. We have to be willing to listen to that because that's how God designed this life to be lived. Because we're going to go the wrong direction. We're flawed. We're going to make bad decisions. And God wants to put people in our lives that genuinely know us. They deeply know us. We trust them. They trust us. That they're, so, they're lovingly supporting us. And then they can say because they know us, they support us, we give them room to challenge us. Speak into my life. Challenge what I'm doing. I, I give you freedom to, to tell me when you think I'm headed in the wrong direction. We need people in our lives like that. When we moved here and started this whole journey of starting this church from scratch and planting this church and, you know, all the things that, that went into that, there's some people in my life that we were headed in a certain direction, and it did not, it was not working. They came in and said, hey, Nathan, I know you have this plan and this approach, but have you thought about adjusting that approach? Because it doesn't seem to be working very well. And I just needed someone to say that so I could go, yeah, I think you're right. Let's go into prayer and let's figure this out because this is not going the way we had originally thought it was going to go. If we had kept going down that path, it wouldn't have worked at all and we definitely wouldn't be standing here now three years later with all the pandemic and everything that went on. The way we were trying to do this would not have worked. So God had a different plan, but it took someone else challenging us. To pursue Jesus through community is to be genuinely known, to be lovingly supported, but also to be honestly challenged in love. Let's pray for a minute. Jesus, we're so grateful that you and your Holy Spirit guide us, shape us, and form us. We are flawed. We make mistakes. We're so grateful that you bring other people into our lives to help us get better. God, I pray that we would be a church family that pursues you with all that we have. We'd be a church family that knows one another, that lovingly supports one another, and that honestly challenges one another when we need to. God, we thank you that over and over and over and over and over again, through thousands of years, your body, your church, continues to thrive and grow all across this world. God, we thank you that no matter... What times we're living in, no matter what's happening outside uh, 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 of, our, of this church family, outside the body of Christ, has never stopped your body from growing and thriving. I pray that our church family, we'd grow closer together. God, that we'd grow closer to one another. But As, as well, God, I pray that you would bring in the people in this community who need a family to support, love, challenge, and know them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you grab the yellow connection card that's on the table or the seat in front of you? On the back of that connection card, it says, my next right step this week, I will. Now, we've talked a lot about what it looks like to be in a church family. We've talked about what it looks like to deal with hurt, to deal with pain, to live in isolation. We've talked about genuinely knowing others, lovingly supporting others, honestly challenging others, and allowing them to do the same for us. So, Every week, we, we look at the back of the connection card. We look at this idea of our next right step. We honestly believe, I, I firmly believe, every time we come together church family, God wants to share something with us, and he wants to lead us just to that next step with him. Not, uh, you know, in, in the scripture, it says that God orders our steps. He directs our steps, not our leaps. A lot of times, as believers, we want to leap. We want to make huge, massive strides and big jumps towards getting better. And God's like, there's just that next one little step. What's that next right step for you? And then we write it in on the connection card for two reasons. One, whenever we write in, this week I will, you know, uh, find someone or, you know, call someone I haven't talked to in a while. Because that's what God's laying on my heart. This week I will, you know, read some scripture. This week I will allow some people into my life. I will invite them in to to challenge me or, or maybe something deeper. This week I will examine the hurt I've experienced. This week, I will choose to trust Jesus by uh, venturing out and meeting new people. This week, I will, whatever it may be, we write it in, because then it puts legs to what God was laying on our heart. See, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit is with us, and he's constantly speaking to us. about. He's constantly directing us, molding us, and guiding us to become more like Jesus. He's constantly talking to us. We just got to learn how to listen a little bit to what that is. So right now, in this moment, we think, well, this week, what is right? what is that next one little thing? that God is asking me to do, and we write it down, because then it gives it legs, puts action. It's like, you know what? I think this is what God was directing me towards. And the second reason we write it down, the second reason we write it down, is that our prayer team here, we read over these, and we pray specifically for you. We pray for your, your spiritual journey. So wherever you're at, whatever that next step is, we get together, and we pray that God would help you, would give you the strength and boldness to take that step, that God would comfort you, whatever it may be, and we pray for you. So we want to know what's going on in your life. We want to be praying for you. So you can fill that out, and then the next two things are today I'm beginning my new life with Jesus, or today I'm restarting my life. You know, maybe you've come today, maybe you're uh, one of our family watching online, or maybe you're watching with family online, and maybe you just haven't really been following Jesus lately. You can make a decision, you know what, I'm going to restart my life with Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not following him. I'm just going to restart that. I'm going to, uh, you know, put the proverbial, you know, uh, battery chargers, now I lost the Oh my gosh. Jumper cables. There you go. Appreciate you, Josh. I was like, wait, what are the jumper? Like putting some jumper cables on my life with Jesus. I'm just going to restart it because I've become dormant. And I've I've been sitting still for too long. I'm going to restart that. We want to know about it just because we want to pray for you. We want to know where you're at in your faith journey so that we can pray for you. We believe that prayer is powerful. We believe that God uh, responds to prayer. So we want to know about it. And at the end of today, if you're online, you can submit those on the website. If you're here in the room, you can drop the connection cards in the little boxes on your way out. Uh, Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would continually help us become more like you. You would make us more like your son Jesus, that we would become more loving than we ever have been. I pray we would go closer together as a church family, and that we would live on our mission as we leave this place that we would be a positive impact in those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Great to see you all today. Feel free to hang out, get some snacks and coffee, and uh, grab your children and uh, say hello before we leave.